This is the BBC Home Service. Here is the news. In the House of Commons this afternoon, the Prime Minister, Mr Churchill, said, What General Vegar called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 175, and by popular demand, we're going to be talking about the Battle of Britain. This great and fantastic film commands an all-star cast with Michael Caine, Edward Fox, Robert Shaw, Christopher Plummer, Ian McShane, Ralph Richardson, Trevor Martin, and the one really good-looking female role in this, Susanna York. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. They got the Rosen Crown. Slover. How many times have I told you, never podcast straight and level more than 30 seconds in a podcast area. <laughs> nice. Oh, I like that one. That's pretty good. Uh, and also joining us, he's back, folks, uh, from his uh, tour of wherever he's been forever, is our other good and dear friend, Jeff. He's a hun in the sun, Muncie. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Steve, why don't you give your brain a chance? <laughs> you made him choke. Yeah, I know. That's my first sound clip, too. Really good. Nice, Jeff. Like that one. I, I, I'll tell you what. That's the, that's the moment in the movie. I knew I was going to love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, folks. Um and unfortunately, not joining us is our other good and dear friend, Ken, Tomato Heinz Roney. <laughs> <laughs> obscure. Yep, obscure. you got to see the movie. I yelled ketchup at that scene. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and there was a lot of ketchup being sprayed around in this movie. Oh, oh my Holy God. Holy crap. Uh, well, actually, Ken is uh, unable to be here. He's out of town, uh, so to speak. He's uh, actually out of the country on what we refer to as the Otto Scorzani Tour of Italy. Um, But he sends his regrets and regards, although I think his regrets are somewhat minimized by the copious amounts of pasta and uh, bottles bottles of Chianti that he is consuming. So, yes, uh, Ken is over in uh, Italy right now, uh, touring. uh, He's accepting their surrender. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very nice. Uh, No, he's actually over there touring around and uh, been enjoying a lot of the uh, pictures he's been posting. And uh, very jealous because uh, being the uh, Romophile that I am, I, I would love to go to Rome. So uh, I'm kind of jealous, and, uh, but he's having a good time, and he, uh, he does send his uh, regards to all. Uh, so here you go, folks. We're going to be talking about the Belle of Britain, and I know we have gotten uh, for a long time, actually for, I, I could say, a couple of years because we've been doing the show for a couple of years, a lot of requests to do this movie, and uh, honestly, Mark, I think you probably are the only uh, veteran viewer of this, if if I can I, say that. I own a copy. Yeah. I desperately wanted to see this movie. I'm dating myself when it came out, and I begged my dad. I was like seven or eight, and he's like, "No, no, there's there's blood in the movie." And I, <laughs> boy, yeah, there is blood in the movie, but it's tame compared to compared to today's standards. Yeah. But I, I begged my dad to let me see this movie, and. It, it ran a lot in the seventies, like on you know, the the local TV station. It was one of those movies that would 
run pretty frequently back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it, I mentioned to Jeff earlier today, it's a classic um, period of time when, especially the English, were throwing out a bunch of war movies. You know, you had Guns and Navarone, this, um, where Eagles Dare. You had all sorts of historical and adventure World War II movies coming out around this time period. Yeah, and this is uh, one of those that I would have agreed with you, Mark. This is very reminiscent of that period, uh, that late 60s, uh, early 70s, when they were really cranking a lot of these movies out. And they were, mo- and by and large, they were really good. And this, you know, kind of gave me that, that same kind of feel of like uh, Bridge Too Far, Longest Day, you know, those type where you did have these huge all-star casts, but it wasn't centered on any one individual. I mean, it's like you would see Michael Caine, and then, you know, like 45 minutes later, oh, there he is again. You know, it's not like he was the center of the movie, or like some of these others. But then again, you know, this is, what, 69, 70? I mean, this was one of his very first movies. I mean, I think maybe I'd have to look it up, but um, actually, I think he might have been the, uh, as actors go, one of the young ones in this one. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, had, I honestly, I had never seen it because it, it is not shown at all that I can ever recall. I don't see it on AMC. I don't see it on really anything. And it doesn't stream. Uh, you can't really even get it on Netflix. Um, obviously not because I had to drive the copy that I bought over to, uh, uh, to Muncie's house. Um, he deactivated the minefields around his mailbox so I could put it in there. Just briefly. Yeah. Just so briefly. And he did. I, I heard, I, it was like over a loudspeaker. I just hear, move on, move on, <laughs> keep going. So, um, but <laughs> I, so it, it's actually really good. I, I, I really enjoyed it because I, it's not, it was my first viewing and, uh, you know, we'll get into it. I mean, I've got a lot of things to say about this movie because, you know, when I looked at the date, I looked at the time or whatever, but man, this movie was way ahead of its time in terms of, geez, everything. Uh, and I don't even want to say they were special effects. They weren't, there weren't really special effects. It was all practical effects. And there were parts of this thing where I went, did they really crash a plane? Was that, that's not a model, was it? I, it, man, some of it's kind of, yeah. but we'll get into that. Uh, Jeff, uh, I'm assuming like uh, me, this is one of your first viewings. This is, <clears throat> this is the first viewing for me as a whole. I do believe at times I've seen, bits and pieces of it and and I only vaguely remember a couple of shots that I was like I think I've seen this before and it was early on in the movie but the um I, it's the same thing that you guys said I had to I I took the same thing away as far as you know this time period um this genre of movies you you have it, they have the same kind of look and feel to them they could almost be like you know a collection of of those types of movies. This would just happen to be the you know the the story of the Battle of Britain, and and I think that you know that's what they try to do is in two hours they try to give you a nice overview of how this went. Understanding we've abbreviated this by, gosh, I don't know, three months, thirty days, and twenty two hours or so. <clears throat> I think it does a nice job of giving you an overview of kind of what what it was, and it it really. It really brought in all the moving pieces to um, to what was happening, uh, and that's what I that's what I really liked about the movie was you got to see. Um, of course, you're going to see uh, hurricanes and Spitfires going up, but 
let, let's talk more about um, you know the the, the the behind the scenes of the whole production, you know, you got the, you've got the people on the phone with the radars and, and you've got people coordinating, you know, who needs to go up and where, you know, what, you know, what area is being affected. And, and so you got to see that behind the scenes and they also got to see, you know, how it affected the population. And, and, and so you had this, this kind of back and forth or in a circle trying to visit all those different elements of who was being affected in England during this time. And in two hours, I feel that they did a, a really solid job on trying to paint a, a very um, vivid picture of, of, a, of a, you know, four month period of time. And, um, and in whenever I do, prepare for these shows I, I always look and see what critics thought during that time and there's one website that i go to and the one thing that i've learned is is I, in general I just hate critics um that's why i think we do this podcast right. and the takeaway from a lot of critics is well it, you know there was this kind of well it it you know, it it didn't do this right, but man, it looked good on the screen. And you know, they they didn't show show this element very well, but man, it looked good on the screen. And it, there was this one famous um, critic that um, I, I just the more I read about you know his analysis of movies, I, the more I think this guy is so full of shit. Um, <laughs> but the in, in you know if you're trying to tell a story which is what they were trying to do in 2 hours um i thought this is a not only um a great story told i also think it was a great uh, memorial to the the men and women that served during this time and and were part of that kind of uh, historic moment you know jeff that's actually a really really good point uh it really does serve as a memorial and a um you know, and an honor to the, you know, to everybody that fought over there, all the Brits that, uh, well, it wasn't just Brits. I mean, it were Brits, Poles, Czechs, Aussies, or, you know, there's a handful of Americans, Canadians, uh, you know, because we weren't in the war yet. Uh, so no. I know there were some, there were some Americans that went over there to fly. Uh, obviously the Canadians were there, uh, Kiwis, Aussies. Uh, and, and you're right. It really is a, um, uh, a very nice homage, if you will, to them. Uh, because, you know, when you really, I mean, I've never seen this movie, but I do, I have read about the Battle of Britain. I know, you know, uh, what went on and really how close the Brits were to losing that whole thing. And, and, and they, and they won it mainly just because they decided, yeah, let's stop bombing the airfields. Let's go after the cities and the Brit, and, and, and it's sad, but the RAF was like, if it wasn't for that, they were going to lose. Uh, that was that was a major major blunder on the Germans' part, and you know, because the the Brits were just horrifically outnumbered uh, in terms of, of pilots and planes. So, you know, and, and I think it was a, it was a testament to you know British you know will and their fighting spirit and everything that they did because you know there were some of those scenes where you know when they went up against those bombers, my God, they were just having a field day on them. You know, because the German bombers didn't have the kind of uh, anti-fighter armament that, you know, we did later on with the B-17s. <laughs> right, where there right. was a machine gun at every corner of the plane. Pretty much. I mean, and, yep. and really even ours. And and they finally realized at one point, because the early ones uh, didn't have a nose gunner. 
the early B-17s, and that's when the Germans realized, well, all you got to do is just go straight on on them and, you know, take the pilot out and you're done. And then they mm-hmm. finally started putting nose gunners in there. And, and I think that's all the Germans had. They had a nose gunner, tail gunner, and that was about it. But, um, Steve, I wanted to jump in here and sure. just point out that the, uh, the great movie Pearl Harbor, um, oh, God. Here you know, go. taught us all that, you know, it, it wasn't just Brits that were over there, um, you know, fighting, you know, that, um, you know, Ben Affleck did go over and help out. You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> That's you know, had to go it's there. why we, you have me on the podcast. We 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 were doing so good, so well. We had this thing down. I mean, I'm like, my God, we're just rolling. This thing is going to be awesome. I'm we sorry, I was are, late. Oh. I was twenty. We're twenty minutes into the podcast, and I'm late. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, here, and here I am. Yeah, you just couldn't wait to lay that penny on the rail. Speaking of which. All right, Jeff, jump right in. What, what else I resemble, did you have I resemble that remark. You do. But the, um, you know, as to your point, at the very end, um, you know, the, the guys that made this movie, and I say guys, but you know, there's a lot of people that were involved in this. At the very end, they do a great job of saying, hey, um, doing, paying respects to, the, it wasn't, it, it was not just the Brits. And, it, you know, it, and, you know, they showed how many, how many, pilots were involved and how many pilots died you know the nationalities uh and, and i think a people a lot of people would be surprised at the the number of people that went over to help because they were like you said low and if anything um just pilots and they could you know they could crank out airplanes but it was the pilots that were the problem mm-hmm. <clears throat> um but one of the best most amazing scenes in the movie is when the poles are on the screen. <laughs> when when the poles are, you know, when they when they are when they are when they take their planes and and the uh, and the scenes that are involved with them flying and then sitting inside there and and being lectured by uh, by, by the wing commander. Um, you know that those are. You know, it, it, it really, it, it tried to highlight, you know, the nationalities that were there, but it also highlighted how there were a lot of people that were trying to be on the side of what, what we consider good, um, to, to help out, uh, a nation in need. Right. And it was a very selfless act that a lot of these men had, um, for the bigger cause. Yeah. Jeff, that's a really good point. And I think also, um, it, it, it's done with dignity, but a little bit of humor. Um, especially for our Polish friends where they, they all peel off. <laughs> it's, a, it's such a great scene because yeah. the, and the thing of it is, is that these weren't like rookie pilots. I mean, the, these guys knew how to fly. They just, oh, yeah. you know, they, they were, they were Polish pilots that, Obviously, most of them uh, never actually even got a chance to get their planes off the ground when when the Germans invaded. So, I mean, they knew how to fly. It's not this was new, but it, it, it was just that thing of there's Germans there. Yeah, get <laughs> attack! <'em>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were just like, "Screw you, we're going," and they tore the shit out of them. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, they uh, yeah, it was sick them. 
Well, and the other part that I really liked, and I thought it was handled well in this movie, and Jeff referenced it earlier, was that they, yes, they had a love interest in the movie, but it was built to the backdrop of really recognizing the important role that uh, the women, the Wrens played, uh, the women's uh, core played in in managing the radar stations and uh, the great bomber maps, but managing all of that that effort to coordinate the um, the fighters. And I thought that was handled really well to kind of give that nod to mm-hmm. not only were there brave pilots and ground crews up there, but there were a lot of women who were tough as nails and who were right in the battle zone because they were getting bombed. Right. And they did make a point of showing that, too, uh you know that one scene after the 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 one airbase got hit. Uh, you know when they had the bodies. Oh yeah. They're all covered up, but you could tell by the legs it was you know stockings and heels. It's like oh god, those are all women. And that's something that you know you you really don't think about in terms of especially in modern warfare. And I'll count this as modern warfare because you had radio communication and the logistics. I mean, these guys. Everybody had to rely on the fact that somebody had to notify them when they were coming. I mean, if you didn't have, you know, the old codgers at the, you know, at the edge of the, the Dover Cliffs watching because of, you know, the radar stations got taken out. If it wasn't for them radioing in saying, hey, there's a hundred bombers coming in, all those guys are going to be sitting over there in the airfield smoking cigarettes and reading the, you know, the Daily Telegraph. They're not going to know. Everybody had a had a purpose, and, and I think that's what this movie showed. You didn't have to be in the thick of it. You didn't have to be up there fighting, but everybody who was doing something had a purpose to the effort to win. And if you take one of those cogs out of the wheel, the wheel doesn't turn. And this movie, like unlike a lot of others, really showed that. And like you said, I mean, just everybody from those guys to the women that were running the radar, you know, the, the radio stations. Everybody had an important part. Yeah, and it was also nice, Jeff and I talked about this, that it it was the quintessential, and it was the nature of the war with for the Brits. It was the stiff upper lip. You know, this is bad, and, and they showed that. This is bad. We probably won't live through this, but we are, we're going to, if we're going to die by God, we're going to die like Englishmen, and we're going to die with dignity. There wasn't any of this, oh, woe is us, or mm-hmm. are, are we... Are we re- should we really fight the Germans? Maybe they have a reason. There wasn't any of this angst-ridden BS that you get in a lot of movies nowadays, like right. Pearl Harbor. Like or, Pearl Harbor. Like Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah. Or Red Tails. Or Red Tails. Yeah. It 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 just showed guys in a and women in a in a on both sides, and that was a great thing. The Germans were shown with respect. They weren't shown as these demonic crazed monsters they were professionals doing their job but they everybody was represented as um this is not pleasant but we're also not going to just fold up our tents and suck our thumbs right and you know and we talked a little bit about uh did i mention pearl harbor yeah you (laughs) did mention pearl harbor yes (laughs) you know one thing that you did uh that we brought up earlier when we first started this thing off about you know how bloody it was I mean, there are some scenes where it's, you know, again, by today's standards, whatever. But at that time, that had to have made people, like, cringe and jump. 
you know, those scenes where, uh, especially, you know, and, and you saw mostly with the, uh, you know, the German, uh, bombers that were getting, you know, tagged. I mean, those, you know, Spitfires come in and just, you know, riddle the cockpit and, you know, there's blood everywhere flying. Uh, I, and like I said, I, I think of that type of stuff in, uh, in relationship to that period of time because you just didn't see that that much. Right. You know, it, you know, when you were looking at movies in the sixties and seventies, when somebody got shot, it was, you know, the classic, you know, they, you know, they clutch their white shirt and there's nothing there. They just fall over. Where in this, I mean, there's blood everywhere and it's like, holy crap. I okay. Mean, but you got, but you got to admit guys, when, when the one Heinkel radioman gunner took the pasta ball, pasta <laughs> balls in the eye. Yes. You did have to laugh yeah. a little bit. It was pretty I, bad. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, I agree. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just oh, saying no. the fact that it was, they were literally showing blood. Okay, I mean, it was because graphic you, by that, yeah. the 1969 standard. Oh, yeah, by that standard, it was, that was pretty horrific. Right. But, you know, again, that's just, that's how things were back then. Right. Um, but, um, but, you know, speaking of this movie, in terms of technical detail and everything, I mean, this was, would you guys say that this movie is uh, World War II air porn? <laughs> oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. Holy crap. Well, and <laughs> you, they, they you've did. You've seen it all in this movie. The thing is, I, they, they did everything they could. They got every airplane they could possibly get their hands on. Yep. And it, it wasn't like they, they tried to, try to cut corners there. I mean, if, if there would have been more available, they probably would have got more. But, but you know, um, they, they, everything that, uh, that Spain could send yeah. and the Portuguese <laughs> was, thank, thank was you. sent over there. And thank I read, you, Fran- some- hold it, wait, thank you, Francisco Franco. Yes. <laughs> and, and just so you know, he is still dead. Is he? Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Really? Ah. If you get that meme. If you get that. You're old enough to know. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Well great. played, sir. Thank you. That is great. Um, <laughs> I lost. What the hell was I talking about? Um some about Francisco Franco, is it? God damn. Oh, Spanish at, Air Force. at one point, um, with all of these planes, um, this was the 37th largest air force in the world. Holy crap. No kidding. Yep. You know, and it, it's a credit that not only did they have Spanish ME-109s, that they had to... They they had to do some tweaking because the Spanish 109s were different in the sense of the way their engines were set up. Mm-hmm. But they had Heinkels. Now, you know, the one thing historically you don't see in the movie because there were none. There might be some in a museum, one or two. You don't see any DO-17s. There right. were no flying pencils. Um, but you've got Heinkels and ME-109s and Spitz and Hawkers. What, they had three functioning Hawker Hurricanes? Yeah. Three or six. And then the mock-ups that they made for the ground-based non-flying or just uh, running up and down on the, uh, looking like they're taking off, that's just impressive what they did, guys. It is. And, you know, unfortunately, this is one of those movies that 
they spent a shit ton of money on this. Uh, it didn't do very well. Actually, it did very poorly at the box office. But it it is one of those type of movies that appeals to a very niche group. That niche mm-hmm. group being people like us that, uh, you know, man cave guys, you know, war movies, action. I mean, and good ones. And, and, and what's really unfortunate about this is, you know, like, uh, you know, Jeff said earlier, I mean, it's really kind of an homage to the guys that fought in there, but oh my God, it's just so well done. Uh, I mean, when you're watching those, you know, those dogfight scenes and that, you actually forget, oh, that's right, this is not a documentary. I'm actually not watching newsreel footage. This is really, this is just the movie. And in some of those scenes, you know, that I mentioned earlier, you know, when you see a plane get hit and it starts going down, you're kind of like, holy shit, that thing's really going down. Is that, that's not a model. That was, that was a real plane that just got <laughs> shot down. How the hell did they do that? I mean, I don't know. Did they have remote control back then? Was that? Yeah, they, yeah, they did, they did have remote. They mentioned that. Okay. Um, they even did that with some of the Stukas. They were using some remote control models. Man, because stuff. it, I, you know, there's like, there's a few when they would show, you know, like the fireballs, like, okay, that, right. but it's like, that, that was a real plane that's going down. I, I mean, man, it was per, it was, it's extremely impressive. I mean, you talk about, um, a movie that holds up. This holds up. Well, and I think it, it, it's really a credit to the photo, the photographic crew. Yes. That, shot the aerial footage yes and and to the pilots i mean my god some of the flight scenes not only the dog fights but there's one that stands out to me early in the movie is when the germans come over the british airfield in france yes oh and, my god. and they are at lawn cutting oh my god altitude and and they're just beating the hell out of that airfield but they are coming in at on the deck I would have loved to have seen that on the big screen. I can't even imagine because you do. You see those things coming in like, holy crap, you could have reached up and touched the mm-hmm. underbelly. They were that low. It was, I mean, that was unbelievably impressive. It, 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 Did it, you guys it, ever watch any of that series on the History Channel, um, Dogfights? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was that a- I mean, that was a great, great series but they had some phenomenal stories in there about this you know this 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 event this period of time and just to see what tr- i mean guys that have had thousands of hours in airplanes combat airplanes can do with that machine yes um J- there, I mean, it, if if anybody has not seen that series, you and, and, and are interested in uh, and a little more background and and history of 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 this period of time and and the uh, dogfights that went on, um, it is so well done that um, I mean, uh, it's one of those if it's, if it's on the History Channel, I've stopped. I'm stopping to watch it. I don't care how many times I've seen it, yeah. but you know when they when they can talk about. You know, you know, the capabilities of the different airplanes and compare them. And, and then they, I mean, you know, they're, you know, and have some of these, um, <clears throat> either some of the actual pilots or, you know, people, you know, military uh, historians that they can talk about, you know, what you guys are saying, you know, how, how low, you know, whether it's treetop level 
or house level or, you know, right off the uh, the wheat field level. I mean, what these guys could do is phenomenal. Now, fast forward to this movie where you've got stunt pilots and real pilots that are trying to do the same thing. There are some great shots in this movie of that. Right. Yeah, there's some impressive. And, and the other thing that is impressive is the bombing of the airfields. We're, mm-hmm. You know, in 1969, most, you know, World War II movies, you'd have this explosion that'd be, be kind of like, poof. No, you're watching that. You're watching the air raid from the air, and we're talking, it looks like they are bombing the living crap out of an actual airfield. Yep. It It is, it is just so well done that you would love to see this movie on, I'd love to see this movie in IMAX. Oh, no kidding. This has to have been incredible on IMAX. It, it, you know, and it would be, it would be great to watch it that way or, um, but it, it's just, it, it is almost breathtaking when you, and you consider it was made in 1969. And, and, and Mark, that is really kind of what I go at with this movie. It's, I mean, it's old. I was, uh, two years old when this movie came out. So just putting that in perspective, it's an incredible movie that holds up today. Uh, you know, you talk about a lot of the movies that, eh, although that doesn't really hold up, this holds up. Yeah. This holds up very well. And I would say, you know, <clears throat> there are some good historical movies that, and Jeff, you could speak to this better than I could since you teach um, at middle school, but you could use a movie like this in certain, like high school, as a primer for, okay, we're going to, I'm going to give you an overview of the Battle of Britain. I mean, yeah, you, it's... You know, yeah, you could. It's a good overview. I mean, if people wanted to know the, like I said, the, 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 the systems and process for what was going on, you know, that, I think it could have been very easy. And, and I know that, I don't know, some critics have, you know, some concerns about the movie. I mean, and, you know, it's a perfect movie. But if you're just, if you're, it would have been very easy to just have taken it from a very narrow view of, just what was going on with the pilots. You could have easily have done that with this movie. And and probably been justified and it may have been just fine. But as we as we kind of spoke, it's great that they bring the other pieces in there because it was it there was it was a bigger system that was working in, in um <clears throat> to to make sure that planes went up, planes got down, um, you know, that 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 communication was made here and two, they they decided to take all of that and paint a very paint a bigger picture and a more complete picture. And I think yeah, this could have been a something that kids would have been like, okay, I can see it, I can see how that um, that would play out. And and yeah, so yeah, Mark, this this would be something that and and at six, as we've said, it it holds up fairly well. Um, I still think the photography of it is, is, I enjoy the look of this movie. You know, it's like this, A Bridge Too Far, Kelly's Heroes. It, it's that type of filming, um, during this period that I just love to still see. Um, but that going to what you had said about the, the bombing of the, of the airfields, that, that was just, that shot is just amazing. <laughs> it's, you you feel like somebody took an airplane up and just photographed what they had just done. It was amazing. 
You know, Jeff, you made a comment about that, um, the, the look of the photography of this period. What the hell is it? Is it nostalgia from that period that we like that look more? Because you look at stuff now, it's like, yeah, it's so crystal clear in it. But there's something about, you're right, there's something about that look of it that just looks real. I don't know what it is. I think it's, bec- for me, I think it's it's because it feels authentic. Um, yeah. Now when you watch a movie, I mean, even though you can have some great special effects and things, um, it 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 feels like, I don't know, that we should at this point have it. Um. But back then, I think I appreciate that everything that we're seeing, somebody worked extremely hard at to practically do mm-hmm. and present. And now, I'm not saying people behind the scenes and CGI and whatever's going on aren't working hard, but I, I think it's, it's just different. I feel like it's just far more authentic in nature. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I, I have to agree. I mean, I think it looks more authentic. I just... I think there's something about that. Well, I agree. And I think nostalgia probably plays a role in it, too. Well, and, and you know, the thing of it is, when you think about it, you look at Private Ryan, and it's the way that Spielberg shot that movie. It it you it looks like a movie that was shot back in the, you know, 60s or early 70s. Because, I mean, he shot that, like, with that little washed out, and it, it mm-hmm. had a little bit more of a, I hate to use the word gritty, because it wasn't, like, hard to look at it just had this different look i mean it was color i mean you saw color in the movie but it was more of that look of that period and i think that's like you said it gives it an aura of an authenticity whereas you you know you watch a war movie today and it's like yeah that's you know everything's bright and and i and i'm not saying it's bad but you could tell it's because, like I said, I mean, if you watch Private Ryan now, I mean, it's like if you just said, when was this made? It'd be like, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe, I don't, you know, it's yeah. hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it. we can't, we can't really say, yeah, it was made in 1990, whatever, because we know it was made there. That, But it's just, it's got that look from that period, so. Well, and I think the other thing that, you know, there's always trade-offs. CGI has advantages and disadvantages. And I think one of the disadvantages, and we've we've all referenced it to varying degrees, is it's too polished. It it's too obvious in some right. respects, um, and and it's almost too. I don't want to put it. It's too pretty. It's like uh, Waterloo. You you could CGI yeah. up Waterloo, but it wouldn't look as dirty and grungy and real. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It, it this movie has that, gr- and I I will use that term gritty. Yeah. Because you are it you're you're not shooting CGI and doing overlays, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it it takes it takes movie making in a different direction that in some ways is almost too clean. Well, I think the reason is, Mark, is it's cheap. Because like yeah, I yeah. said, well, I mean, and, and I'm not saying it's cheap in, in, in a bad sense. It's because, like I said, when I'm when you see those scenes of, you know, Hinkles crashing into the ocean or, you know, the Spitfires, you know, nose diving in the ground because they've been hit. I mean, 
Those are real freaking planes going down. I mean, or they really good models. Or really, really well done models. Or really, really good models. Because, may, and if, I'll tell you what, if those were models, good lord, whoever did Spielberg's stuff, or I'm sorry, Lucas's stuff for Star Wars, he had to have been a student. Oh my god, that stuff. Because, I, I mean, you'll watch this, and I'm like, oh, that plane's been hit, and you watch it start nosediving, and you're like, Okay, is that is I mean is that guy going to bail out because <laughs> right. it's still going? Holy crap! It's it's it and it's yep. just pancake. Yeah, he just pancaked on the ground. Like I what? never really could tell because it's not like one of those cutscenes where it's like you know he gets hit. The guys, I mean, you just see this plane getting smashed and boom, he just starts nosediving. I'm like, oh, good lord! Right. And but the thing of it is that was expensive. That cost. Tons of money because obviously they had to build a plane, put the remote in there, and do whatever. Well, with CGI, it's like all you got to do is pay a programmer to just do this and you're done. So, and again, I'm not knocking that. It's just, it's just a new thing that we have to realize. And that's why I think you can appreciate movies like this more, especially when you could look at it 40 years later and go, holy crap. That that's as that is as impressive then, or it's as impressive now as it was then. Yeah. When you can't well, tell the difference. And I'm not again. I'm like you. I'm not. I, CGI has its place, but it also is a credit to set designers, yes. set builders, mm-hmm. special practical special effects folks. This took a lot of man hours and effort and time, and it, it's a, it's truly when I say labor of love. It's truly a labor of love because people had to build and paint and set dress it. And in some respects, I, I, I give, I admire that more. I, I, I like CGI because it has allowed us to do movies that we couldn't, that would be eh or not possible. But I think it's traded off to a degree it, that it's gone too far in some respects. And there's, there's a balance. I, I hope Hollywood goes back to, I doubt it, of there is a value to this kind of uh, effort at production and production values that I think is missing in a lot of movies. No, I agree. But one thing I do want to jump on to, because we're we're running running long here, I do want to talk about some of the actors. Oh, yeah, we haven't got to actors yet. We haven't even gotten that. Didn't they take a cut real quick before we get into them? Didn't they all kind of agree to... A few, a, a uh, from what cut? I from what I remember, a few did. I know Lawrence Olivier took a cut, so. Well, he did, and I, I think most of the main actors. I think Plummer did, um, and I think uh, Shaw did, uh, because again, this was you know, and there was a, there was several um, advisors on the set that were around during this time and and wanted to wanted to make this as. The, the best it could, because you know they knew it was going to be one shot. You know, it's not every day you can get a bunch of Hinkles and 109s and Spitfires and Hurricanes together. So you know, there was a lot of lot of um, support brought on for this, and most of the cost was was just in equipment. Yeah, well, and get yeah, my God, getting those fighters to run again and stay in the air. Yeah, there was a lot of money pumped into this, and and it lost ten million dollars. It sure did. And, you know, it's, and, and the thing of it is, is that, you know, there's, there's people that, and I can understand why, 
if you're not interested at all in this, this movie's boring. I mean, you're not going to be, but if you're a, if you're a history buff, if you're a World War II buff, if you're, good Lord, if I mean, if you're in the planes, you go watch this movie. Holy crap. Like I said, this is Air Force porn at its finest. This makes Top Gun look like my pretty pony. This is unbelievable stuff. So. You know, Steve, I would, I would almost counter what you said there in really? the sense of, I don't know if it's boring. I thought the pacing of the movie and the tension that they set, even in those key moments where they're, where they're in the, uh, the well, where, where, where we see the big board, uh, where we've got, um, you know, little markers indicating incoming, um, you know, fighter groups or bomber squadrons or whatever. Even then, there's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's almost silent on the screen. Um, you've got a few quiet voices, you know, talking to their, uh, uh, to their phones. But even then there's, there's a, there's an intensity because it's, it's setting up, you know, the next battle scene. And even, you know, the story I think is it, it continues. It keeps at a good pace. There's, a, there's enough that we're following that it stays fresh with different scenes, with different actors. And of course, you know, you've got the battle scenes, but even that, it's like the lull before the next, because you kind of get into a groove where it's like, oh my, okay, you know, big battle. And then it's like, okay, pause, but it's only a pause long enough because the next battle could be, you know, right around the corner. Right. And so I, I never got a sense. And again, this is my, my first viewing. I don't, I didn't want it to stop. And I, my oldest son was watching it with me and at, at about the hour mark of it. I'm like, okay, look, you, you know, you guys gotta go to bed. And, and he, he, at nine years old, at, you know, with, you know, with his current generation, he was all glued into this movie. There, he wasn't, he wasn't wanting to walk away and he was kind of mad that I was even going to make him go to bed. And he's like, can I watch this? Can I finish this tomorrow? Uh, so, I mean, if it was able, I think, to keep a nine year old entertained, I, I think that says something. Well, I, and I'm, when I said that about being bored, I'm just saying for people that aren't interested in well, you know World War yeah. II, this type of movie, this is, I mean, because like I said, it follows more along the lines of like, you know, Bridge Too Far or Longest Day. It's, I, I mean, what would you even call those? They're like docudramas maybe. I mean, it's... It's not like a docu. That's, that's a good descriptor, Steve. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good descriptor. Yeah, it's like a docudrama. I mean, they're not. I mean, it's like based on a real thing. There's real people involved, but you know, and they throw the you know uh, the drama in there in for you know dramatic effect. But I think for most people, these type of movies just don't appeal to them. Uh, it appeals to, I think, a niche group. I mean, you know, folks like us, you know, man cave guys, guys like World War II movies, you know, or if you're into, you know, Air Force stuff, you'll love it. But I think for the mainstream, it's just not going to do well. And unfortunately, that's the case because, like I said, this movie is fantastic. Um, well, it's definitely not a date movie. My wife would have been asleep in 20 <laughs> minutes watching this damn thing. So. Just saying, that's just how it is. And I mean, she's not, and she is not opposed to an action movie. I mean, she'll sit and watch some of the good ones, but I guarantee you, Deb would have been like twenty minutes in, she'd have been snoozing. Just saying, that's how these are. 
So actors. Actors. Um, God, there's a list. Good Lord. I mean. It what, is a who's who of British actors. Well, I'll tell you what. The very first thing, I, and like I said, first showing, never seen it before. I remember in the very beginning, I'm like, is that Christopher Plummer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> looks like him. Kind of looks it's like him. Duke, is it's that, the Duke of Wellington. Is that really him? Nah, that's it's not him. And I went up and I'm like, I'm watching the movie and I pull up my phone. I'm like, holy shit, that is Christopher Plummer. My God, the man's young. And <laughs> is that Edward Fox? And that, well, Edward Fox just looks like, oh. I mean, he still, I mean, he looked like that. Oh, I know. Does, but he like th- Ken Roney, does Ken Roney look like him? You Ken, know has what? Better te- Ken has better teeth. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, funny you said that, because Ken, you know, Ken kind of looks like a lot of people that we review in these movies. I think he's actually a doppelganger. <laughs> no, but yeah, you got Edward. F- and that's the thing, guys. This is one of those movies where you have all these big name actors, but nobody's got like this central part. I would say the one guy who really jumps out. To my mind, when I watched this, he just really jumped out and owned the movie, as it were, was Robert Shaw. Yes. He just was muscular and bigger than life. Yep. And, and it's partly that's Robert Shaw, but he was great in this movie. Well, if there was a guy that was chewing scenery, it was him. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, so he was, he was in there. You had, uh, well, I'll tell you what, this is, man, I, I probably should look him up now before I open my big mouth and say mm. something. I was talking about Michael Caine. It oh, just, yeah. I mean, I think this was probably one of his early movies because I would say if there was an actor who was so, he would, and maybe it was just him, but it just seemed like he was just so understated. Like, all right. We're diving in now, heading back to base. I mean, he just was so monotone. He just didn't seem like he was, it was almost like he wasn't into it. And it made me wonder, was this like one of his very early roles? Well, Zulu was his first movie, and he did it in 63. Okay. His big breakthrough was, one of his big ones was Alfie in 66. So he had done... He had done a yeah, four or five been, movies before. Yeah, he yeah he did quite a few. I think movies. that was just the role he was supposed to play. Was okay, that, you know, to Robert Shaw's big and boisterous, and Christopher Plummer's sharp and pointed. He was supposed to be that calm and cool, collected, because they were kind of tropish. Each one of the squadron commanders. Yes, they were, and and not in a negative way. They were just kind of showing that 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 part of that pers- that British persona. You know, one's a big, blustery guy. One's very cool and collected, and one's very arch and oh-so-proper. Oh right. And I, I just think Kane's role was to be that oh-so-proper role and understated. Yeah. Which he, it, does, which he does well. Well, that he, if there's anybody who can do it, it's him. Yeah. So, uh, well, God, Ian McShane. I didn't even recognize him at first. <laughs> Jeff? <laughs> yeah, hi. I I surprised Mark with that one. Mark did not know that Ian McShane was in this. Holy crap! And I didn't either until I, you know I looked at the back of it and I was looking at the actors and I came across that name. And I was like, wow, that that's really similar to Ian McShane's name. It, I mean, it must be two Ian McShanes, and I'm just not aware of who this other Ian McShane is. Oh, that's because it is Ian the McShane. Ian McShane. <laughs> but at first, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, if you're looking for it. You can you you see it, 
but Mark never saw it. And well, it his was like, boy, it's not it's, his voice. No, it's, 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 it, he's, he is not old and grizzled. It's, he, you know, he's got a very, um, characteristic voice and it's not there, but it's in, it's in the eyes. You can see it in the eyes. Right. Right. And, and you're right. I watched, I pulled up a couple scenes again and it, it is in the eyes. He's got that, he's got that hound dog look to his eyes. No, you're right. Uh, gosh, who else is in this thing? Well, guys, Uh, I'll tell you what. Ralph, Ralph Richardson makes a brief appearance. Okay, let me ask you a question. When you saw him in there, because he played the, uh, British ambassador. Right. Did you notice, did he have like, almost like a shake to him? I mean, he was like. You noticed the palsy in his hands? Was that part of the act? I, I don't know. Okay. Because I've never seen that. I noticed that in the movie. Okay. But I had not, I don't know if that was actually a characteristic of the ambassador. I, I'm kind of wondering know. it too, because we saw him in Time Bandits. I right. didn't, and he didn't, I mean, he, because it's noticeable in this scene. Yeah. Where he literally just kind of had that almost like, um, early, early Parkinson's, where you just yep. kind of have that little shimmy. And and I know that because I had an aunt that had it, and it's you know you know you see it in the beginning, and they just kind of have this little shimmy, and I kind of wonder. I'm like, well, I've seen him in other stuff, and he didn't do it. I mean, other stuff like from the '80s, right? So I just I, I I'm almost have to look that up because I was just wondering why did he do that? Why was that there? Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, but Ralph Richards said so. Like we saw him in Time Bands, he was a supreme being. Yes. Well, and Christopher Plummer, who's still alive. Yes. He's great in this movie, but he doesn't have a lot of screen time. But what he does have, he, he, he does he does Christopher Plummer. But you know what? He actually was one of the ones that had the most screen time when you think about it. It just ha- seemed, it doesn't seem like it because it was so split up. It, well, but that's what it was with everybody. But he was the, uh, but he had, uh, that was the love interest thing with him with uh, mm-hmm. Suzanne New York when they were. Uh, oh, she's so cute in this movie. Holy crap! I'll tell you what. Right off the bat, guys, that one scene. You know, when they're in the hotel room or wherever the hell were, and she's just wearing the uh, the dress shirt with the tie and nothing else. I'm sure in 1969, guys were just like running off, going, "Okay, I'm out. <laughs> I lost. I'm out." I I, I still I, admired it. Holy crap! Cute. Oh, she was adorable. But you Jeff? know, but this was one of Oh, yes. Jeff? Yeah, I'm sorry. What? Do you do you like Susanna York in this movie? Well, you know, it's it is um I mean, I she she fills an important role in, in trying to No, no, you don't trying, no, 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 you, no, you don't understand. You you're oh, missing sorry. the point. Cuteness factor. Oh, oh, she's cute. Well, she's, she's cute like, in a 1969 kinda, way. Which I think she's she's got a certain perky and yeah, she's cute. She's just you could take her home to mom kind of look. She's not the type of tramp you would bring home usually. So Jeff, are you saying she would be <laughs> moderately, moderately attractive? You have failed me for the last time. Just Thank wanted, you, Steve. Just wanted to get that in because I knew it was coming. <laughs> She's adorable. 
And she's uh, a very good actress. She I mean, is. She's, she, she's not irrelevant. The role is not irrelevant. I it's necessary it to tell the story for what they wanted to tell. Yes. And I think she... And she's not this damsel in distress kind of role. Wouldn't you no. agree? No. No, yeah. No. no, she's a strong, very strong heroine. Yeah. No, like I said, that scene with her in the, uh, you know, the dress shirt with the tie and nothing else, I had to pause it for about four minutes. <laughs> oh, is that it? Is that just four? Is that your speed now? Anyway. Um. <laughs> oh, and... <laughs> You lead with your chin, Michael. <laughs> you know what? I ch- you guys don't know trolling when you hear it, do you? Oh, all right. Okay. Real, real quick, another person we should focus on is the director, Guy Hamilton. Yes, I was going to say, good. Thank you, Mark. Also known for Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, mm-hmm. Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun. Yes. Talk about some serious... This guy's got conflicts. Some, yep, this guy's got some serious cred behind him because a lot of those are good movies. They're all mm-hmm. good movies. They're all good Bond movies. So yeah, he. I mean, this this movie's very well done. It's extremely well done. There is, I mean, you have got a major cast of characters in this movie, and it's a great story. It's very well put together. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that you're you're talking about a battle that took over what four or five months. And yeah, I, it wasn't I, very long. I think they condensed it pretty well. Yeah, but, I mean, it, 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 I think it, it it encapsulated the 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 near run nature of the battle. Right. Oh, I think it did too, because like I said, they were able to do it without doing an homage. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, do we need to touch on trivia? Because there's a lot of it. I was going to say, there's a little bit of trivia, but uh, holy crap. I mean, we're, 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 running, we're running hard here. Uh, there's a few things if you want to. You got a few that you want to throw, Mark? Let me see, trivia. There were a couple I'd grab, but now I'm. Uh, hold on. Oh, here's one for you. Some trivia. Timothy Dalton auditioned for a minor part as an RAF pilot. Wow. He was alive then? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Jeff, this one's for you. Are you braced? I'm I'm sitting down. At least two excerpts are used by Pink Floyd in their The Wall album. Yes. I'd seen that. Yeah, it's it's the Stuka diving. And the Uh, Where the Hell Are You, Simon? Yep. In the fle- from in the flesh and nobody home in Vera. Yeah, the that the final cut album is it's Roger Waters' um, therapy session about it, the death of his father during the Battle of World Well during World War Two and and his anger towards the British government for doing that. Yeah, but it, that's a that's an obscure piece. It is. It's very obscure. But it, now I know where it comes from. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I've always wondered where they, they got the sound effects for for the, the Stuka dive bomber. But There you go. Okay. Remember, the char- there, there was, you saw him twice. He never, and he said maybe three or four lines. The badly burned um, flight officer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was an, actually an actor. W.G. Foxley, who played squadron leader Evans, was an RAF navigator 
whose face and hands were badly burned attempting to rescue a fellow crew member after a bomber crash in 1944. Due to his injuries, he lost an eye and several fingers as well as other facial injuries. So that was not makeup. Yeah, I saw that one, and that's, wow. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I think that I, I give the director credit for doing something like that. Oh, yeah, and I give the actor, or the guy that, you know, gave credit to, you know, do that role. Right. And, of course, there's the famous line about a squadron of Spitfires that was actually <laughs> yeah. actually said by one of the greatest German pilots ever, Adolf Galland. And if you've never read his book, The First and the Last, I highly recommend it. The man had a cigar holder installed in his BF-109. <laughs> And he was, wasn't he, he was a technical advisor on the movie, if I believe. And yeah. There was some tension over some things that the director had some of the German actors do that he disagreed with. Right. And, um, cause I think he was actually the youngest German general. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even 30. Yeah. So. Yeah. So those are just a, just, just a few of the tidbits that are kind of obscure. Yeah, because there's a lot of trivia there, so we had to yeah. we had to pick and choose. Yes, uh, but very good. Thank you, Mark. You know what, folks? That is, we are now on to brother. What you drinking? Oh boy, are we? Yeah, we are. So, you got your nitwit, huh? You nitwit. No, I didn't get a nitwit. So am I up, Steve? You want me to go first? You know what? Why don't you go, Mark? What do you got? All right. Mark? Um, I think you both will find this very. A very interesting review of a beer, especially you, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> it is from a, there is a new grocery store that just opened here. It's a, it's a, um, Trader Joe-esque chain. It's a whole, whole, whole paycheck without taking your paycheck chain called Lucky's. And they Luckies. have a, Lucky's. And if you get one, I highly recommend it. They have the best bacon in the world, bar none. But they also have a liquor, um, store, uh, and they stock a very robust um, section of beer where you can buy singles and you know pick a mix and match six pack. And I've never heard of this brewery, and this is the second time I've had it. It's called the Dew Claw Brewing Company out of Baltimore, Maryland, and it is a sweet baby Jesus chocolate peanut butter porter. Sweet baby Jesus, chocolate peanut butter porter, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking chocolate peanut butter porter. Yeah, how is that possible? I'm afraid to know and ask. It is so rich and smooth and tasty. Oh wow. It is like drinking a Reese's peanut butter cup with a porter overlay. <laughs> oh god. Oh, and and for a porter it has an alcohol content of 6.7. Holy crap, that's 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 this, robust. That is robust. This beer defies all logic. Oh, I know. <laughs> I look at that and I'm like, okay. Okay, it's 250 a bottle. I'll try a sweet baby Jesus for the name alone. And because I love porter, we all complain we can't get enough porters. I 
I will tell you, gentlemen, if you can get your hands on this, it, it is it is it's a treat. It's like drinking dessert. If you can get your hands on it, keep it in the back of the refrigerator for when right. Slover comes over. Right? Yes. Oh my gosh! It's like drinking dessert. It, oh. it, it, it's a chocolate peanut butter porter. I know. Find it if you can. If not, I'll bring some up when I'm up when we go to Tony's in March. I I don't know if that's necessary, Mark. No, oh, no it. you've got to try it. Shit, it's I'll good. Drink. I'll take, I'll try it. Uh-oh. And it smells like a Reese's peanut butter cup dipped in porter beer. I'm in. Thank you. You're, you're sort of like Mikey. You'll you'll drink anything. Well, that goes without saying if it's Steve. Remember the summer of shitty beers? Oh, how <laughs> seared into my memory. <laughs> seared into his liver. God. Notice he didn't do it again this year? I did notice that. It's, <laughs> I feel a resurgence coming on though. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know why? Because he hasn't he hasn't uh, he hasn't reviewed the uh uh, the granddaddy of shitty beers, because he couldn't find it. But I'm oh. on the lookout for it, and that is Stroh's. <laughs> oh, if I can find a can of Stroh's, I'll, I'll showcase it. <laughs> I think that will kick us off again for the next summer of shitty beers. I think Zardoz should start us in the summer of shitty beers. Because, you know, he never did Little Kings either. No, no. Did you do a I thought I, I thought I did Little Kings. I, I don't think you did. Oh, no, you know what I did? I did that other one. Oh, crap. What the hell? What, what year was see, that? Was that? See, like, we're starting to build the summer of shitty beers right. here. Two years right. ago. It was two summers. It was two summers. Oh, son of a bitch. We you didn't even it. do Olympia in the land of sky blue waters. I don't think they make it anymore. If they oh. do, you're going to have to drive it up here. So, All right. All right. What are you drinking? All right. Is it my turn? No, it's it's uh, it's Munchie's turn. Oh, that's right, because we don't uh, have catching up with Ken. We don't have okay. no catch up with Ken, so we're just going to be um, going to miss that Barry White. We're going to jump it up with <laughs> we're jumping up with Muncie. How's that? All right. Well, hey, um, you know, Mark. It's coincidentally, you know, said we can't get enough porters. Um, I happen to have from uh, you know up at uh, is that Kalamazoo? Oh, Bell's. Bell's. Ooh. At the Bell's Porter. I'm uh, finishing number one and getting ready to go to number two. And it has a very, it's pretty respectable 5.6 AVB, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's such a, it's such a great company, such a great beer. I mean, uh, I've had, you know, if, if I had to go with one beer company because of the nice range they have, and, uh, no, we're not getting, uh, anything from the Bell's company, which is a shame. Um, uh, recently, I tried one of their cherry stouts. Oh my gosh, that's a pricey. It's pricey, oh yeah, well, but, it's about twelve bucks. Uh, it's a little more than that, but it's it's it is it is worth it, man. That was it, you know that was one of those beers you just you're through a six pack and you're like I'm pretty sure I should not stand up at this point. <laughs> wow, it's it's bells. What more can you say? I can't. All right, Steve, lay it on us. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what. I uh, I sent a text to Jeff last night because uh, obviously I had to drop the movie off to him since he hasn't known it. And uh, right I up responded, the, and 
and you didn't reply back, I assume you were face down in a urinal or something. Not, well, not close. No, but uh, dropped the movie off, and uh, Jeff lives pretty close to one of my favorite uh, uh, breweries in Indianapolis. That would be Rock Bottom, so we stopped there. And I had uh, I had a couple of their naked oat stouts, and it's uh, it's pretty good beer. And but I did ask for a sample of the Cossack. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, that makes me want to watch Snatch again. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. So it was it was really good. So I thought I'm going to go get a growler tomorrow. So, for those of you who wondered what growler I picked up, I, I got the Cossack. You, you, did, you didn't get the nitwit. No, I didn't get the nitwit. So, how is the Cossack? This is what I have to say about the Cossack. <laughs> Son of a bitch must pay. <laughs> it, in a good uh, way or a bad way? It, <laughs> man, it's, it's good. I hear reservation. No, I'm no, I'm just no. That oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Really? That one snuck out. <laughs> really? The T Rexes don't sound that loud. <laughs> oh my god! It wasn't that bad in uh, the most recent Jurassic Park. Penny, Penny, I've got my penny here. <laughs> no, so I no, I'm doing the Cossack, but obviously it's not as gassy as what you've been drinking. So, no, so what's no. the flavor like? Um, it's got uh, holy crap! It's got a hop kick to it, like you wouldn't is believe. It a, is it a Russian Imperial? It is a Russian Imperial. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it. You're going to be shitting this out all day long. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that uh, if I'm lucky to make it up for the war game I got planned for tomorrow, I'll be lucky. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got an IB. Well, let's put it this way: the Hoosier Light has got a uh, an IBU of twenty. The Cossack has an IBU of seventy-five. So Ooh. on hop scale. It's up there. It's up there. It's up yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know any any higher. You get into you know Indian pale ales. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's damn near there. Uh, the AB. Uh, I'm sorry. The ABU. ABU. Ubu is um, eight point three percent. If you haven't noticed by my voice. Yeah, you're 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 a little sloppy. A little bit. Christ, and I'm only on my second one. Son of a bitch, must pay. So, yeah, second this, growler? No, my second glass. <laughs> I, you got to remember, I was out of. I thought I'd ask. Mark, it's a fair, it's a fair question. <laughs> it, I mean, we are at I 55. It yeah. <laughs> it's a fair question at this point of the day. I, I just thought I'd ask. Hey, speaking of which, Teddy Roosevelt, how was that bourbon slash whiskey? Um, well, it was good enough. I went and bought another bottle. <laughs> because he's out. <laughs> See? <laughs> Muncie, right. you know, I hate you all. I hope you die. I hope you die. You know, yeah, it was good. It, I've been taking care of my liver just in case you need it. <laughs> <laughs> Love you too, man. Love all right, you. well, there you uh, go. That's uh, so, all right, real quick, though, Teddy Roosevelt, is yeah. it sweet, 
bitey. No, it's more bitey. There's no sweetness to it. It's like when you drink it, it's like, oh, that's really smooth. And all of a sudden, it's you get this like kick in the back of the tonsils and this warm feeling. Okay. And not a bad kick. It's it's good. I okay. like it. It's um. Like I said, I went back today when I went over there to uh, get some stuff for dinner. I'm like, yeah, I might grab another bottle of this stuff. Okay. Good. Good stuff. Good. Good to know. And again, I'm not saying it's, you know, good as Woodford or that, but. But it's good. You like it. It's a good yeah, drinking. Yeah. Bourbon. Good. Yeah. Basically just, you know, uh, you know, fill up a couple of shot glasses. You're good to go. Okay. Awesome stuff. Like it. Okay. All right, there you go, folks. That is it with Brother What You Drinking. And, uh, well, there was no catching up with Ken because, well, I tell you right now, Ken's probably drinking Chianti or right. some other, you know, Italian thing or something or other. So we are going to move on to our next favorite part of the Isn't show. Isn't this oh. where rum chata is made? Oh, you went there, didn't you? I did. I'm yeah. sorry. I had to. I do have the top ten, Jeff, or Steve, if you'd like me to rescue you. We're going to do that after clips. All right. Clips. After clips. clips. I was counting on you. You know, I didn't even send the email, but I just, you know what? This is why we do this so well. I don't even have to ask these guys. <laughs> when one guy's not there, somebody else steps up. We're like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> Two men enter, one man leaves. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> a well-oiled hinkle on his last leg. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Get the hell out! Bail out now! Forty-year-old <laughs> Hinkle in the, the service of the uh, Spanish. Yes, that's what we that's are. That's right. That's us. That's us, baby. All right. Well, here we go. All right. Here we go. Clip number one. Why don't you cut out the clowning, huh? Lisa, what have I done? Don't ever let me see you doing a victory roll over my airfield again. Oh, I thought it would buck up the civilians. Oh, for God's sake, Jamie, give your brain a chance. <laughs> Just, I just know that is going to slip out of my mouth one day in class. <laughs> yep. I just know just it's going to happen. Give your brain a chance. Yep. Pretty much. That would be a great one for a bunch of middle schoolers, Jeff. Yep. Oh, shit. I told, I warned him today I had a new one. I got a new one for you. Yep. Said, what is it? I said, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you. Wait for it. All right. All right, number two. We will fight them on the beaches. With what? Wilson gets carried away sometimes. With liquid courage. So they tell me. Clearly, you don't know him. Uh, I had to throw that one in there because it's about Winston. Oh, yes. All right, number three. We're not easily frightened. And also, we know how hard it is for an army to cross the channel. Last little corporal to try came a cropper. So don't threaten or dictate to us until you're marching up Whitehall. And even then we won't listen. Good Brits. Good, good, yes, stiff upper lip. Absolutely. Gotta love them. I love that. The last one became a cropper. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's some some great one-liners in here. There are some great one-liners. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next. You can teach... Monkeys to fly better than that. <laughs> I've I've adjusted that line many a times in my career. I bet. Okay, guys. Attack! 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 Oh, I love the way all of them just sit there and look at each other. Attack! 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 Slower. You oh, sorry. You didn't know this was coming up, did you? No. 
Bring chicken to shite hawk in one easy lesson. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is they all kind of look at each other like we know how this is going to end yeah <laughs> all right this is what this is the one i like i call it damn it jim damn it man we've got 650 planes they have 2500 aircraft there <laughs> Oh, the fact that, like, Lawrence Olivier in the entire movie, and I forgot to mention him early on, he's just the one that's like, you don't realize what we're up against, do you? This is, this is bad. This is, yeah, this is terminally bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Next one. Mark, this one's for you. Oh. They've got the Rosen Crown. He left to drink at the Red Lion now, won't he? He's him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> There you go. Thanks. All right. The next two are uh, are, are just for me because uh, obviously it calls back to the uh, to the motherland. But here you go. Stop that Polish chatter and steer two, three, zero. And the best part is, he's flying by himself. He looks down and it's like, oh, they're all gone. <laughs> they have oh, left repeat, me. Please. Repeat, please. Yeah, they've left me. You know, oh. those guys are like Jawas. <laughs> no, they were like the Ewoks. And there was like, charge! <laughs> they said, look, there's a mechanical item there. No, let's go it. kill it. Oh, look, it's a toaster on legs. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh here's the next clip it's very long but it is i love it because i actually could understand pretty close to i don't know maybe about uh 40 50 percent of what the guy was saying without the subtitles it's just a great scene so hold on the RAF is not a flying circus two strict rt procedure will be observed at all times Po drugie, procedura radiowa będzie ściśle przestrzegana przez cały czas. And it is never, repeat, never to be used. Nigdy, powtarzam, nigdy nie będzie używana for private Polish chit-chat. Na prywatne polskie rozmówki. Finally, and God alone knows why, I've received the following signal. Congratulations, as of today, this squadron is operational. Signed, Keith Park, Air Vice Marshal AOC 11 Group. <laughs> so what I love about that scene is, you know, he's got everything being translated, right? And they're all sitting there with, like, this ho-hum look on their face. And then he says, yeah, this air wing is ready to go. And did that require any translating? Nope. Nope, they understood they everything. Understood. They understood everything <laughs> yeah. he was saying up to that point. Yes, yeah. they were fine. Yeah. Oh, they could speak English when yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't know exactly what you're saying. They just ain't listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> just that. It's just glorious. It was awesome. Well, and and you you just get a hint of it at the end of that scene 
The music is great for this movie. The music is fantastic, and we didn't talk about that, but I do have one more clip, and we can actually talk a little bit about soundtrack. So, last one. I must say, you don't exactly exude a spirit of optimism. God willing, we will hold out, Minister. I see. So I tell the Cabinet that you're trusting in radar and praying to God. Is that right? <laughs> More accurate the other way around. I'm trusting in God and praying for radar. But the essential arithmetic is that our young men will have to shoot down their young men at the rate of four to one. Yeah, that came yeah. early in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That kind of that gives you the the understanding of just how grim this situation is. Yeah, I mean they had the I, and they were they they couldn't produce the planes fast enough. And like you said, yeah, it, it was a matter of pilots. They didn't have enough pilots. Yeah, it's not about airframes. It's not about airframes. It's about bodies you can put in airframes. But the difference... You, can, you know, the German army found that out in 1945. Albert yeah. Speer was producing plenty of equipment. It didn't matter. You were at the bottom of your manpower pool. Right. And the thing was, is what was was brutal for the, the Germans in that, when they lost a pilot, they lost the pilot. Even if he bailed out, they lost him. Yeah. Because he was yeah. bailing out over England. Yeah. When the Brits lost the pilot and he bailed out, they got him back. Yeah, that was the difference. You know, when they that's lost the true. plane, they lost everything. They lost the pilot and the well, plane. And that's that's well shown when the pole bails out and he gets yeah. picked up by the farmer. <laughs> hey, I'm in your side. Yeah, he's on your side. When you start speaking Polish, like you know, and they're like they just it sounds German to them. They're just like and they're like hauling me off with pitchforks. <laughs> that's terrible. Well, you know, there's no vowels. I mean, yeah. buy a vowel, would you? For God's sake. I know <laughs> we're all about consonants. That's what we had the book. It was called Hooked on Consonants. So. <laughs> Just saying. Nice. Yeah, well. Music. Do we all agree the music was? Music's fantastic. It's yeah. classic 1960s, 70s. Yep. Very. Uh, music. Yeah, very instrumental. Just really good stuff. I just want to get up and march around my house. <laughs> In a powder blue uniform, Jeff? No. <laughs> Well, you know, we didn't even talk about that. Where did they get that freaking guy to play Gurry? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, he was great. He Don't I'm saying. He, where did they get oh. that guy? Because he was awesome. He looked just like Gurry. So was Gurry. the guy who did Hitler. You know, they the didn't. The guy who did Hitler was great. Yeah. You didn't see from, him. From a distance. I was going to say, from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. That well, probably because then the actor's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Just show me. Don't, <laughs> I don't want to be identified or anything. You got to remember, the war was not that. I mean, we're, you're talking oh, 20, 20, 25 years, so it was still pretty fresh. Um, but Garen, oh, that yeah. powder, nobody looks good in powder blue. Okay, can we just agree to that? Well, you know, and, and it got his, I don't know. I don't want to say his flamboyancy, but I mean, it, it captured some of the essence that we've heard about him. I would say flamboyance is a good term. Well, let's put it this way. It wasn't slimming. <laughs> <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. So well played, sir. Yeah, I'm just saying, but good music in this movie. Uh, yeah, the, the music actually, you know what? I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I, I'll cut this out if I have to, but, uh, here's a little bit. Okay, something went that's wrong great there. Music. Yeah, yeah, that's that was terrible. Sorry. Is that a Panzerlader? 
mean, all right, well, let's see. Where do I edit that part? Is it? All right, then. All right. Uh, well, there you go, folks. That is it. That's it with uh, Brother What You Drinking and all of our favorite clips. So it is now time for the top ten movies of 1969. All right. Are you ready, gentlemen? All right, Mark, take it away, buddy. Okay, a couple, a couple movies before we get to the top ten that we have reviewed that mm. came out in 1969. Holy crap. And to our point about great World War II movies coming out in this period, at number 21, featuring Richard Burton and Clint Eastwood and made $7 million, Holy crap. Where, where Eagles Dare. Was that 1969? It was. Holy shit. It was. A great World War II movie. Wow. Great adventure movie. Yes. Right above that at number 20 was The Undefeated with John Wayne and Rock Hudson about Confederates running across the border to Mexico right after the war. Yeah, that's a good movie, too. Yep. Another movie that we reviewed at number 18 with William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, and Robert Ryan, The okay. Wild Is that Bunch. Borgnine, Booker? That is Borgnine, or in my... <laughs> After after Sweet Baby here, Jesus, it's Borgnine. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's Borgnine if you've had Sweet Baby Jesus. No, The Wild Bunch. Oh, my gosh. At number 18. I totally but forgot who, we did that, too. Yes, good movie. i got to refer to The Beecham Files. You do. The Beecham Files, absolutely. So, starting at number 10, a 007 movie. The only time this man played 007. Oh. You know which one it is? Uh, Majesty's Secret Service. On Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby, yep. Diana Rigg, and Telly Savalas was number 10. And Telly Savalas did a great um, bad guy in that movie. Oh, absolutely. Okay, number 9. I have no idea what it's about. Don't care. Because I don't think it's a man cave movie. Goodbye, Columbus. <laughs> With Richard Benjamin and Allie McGraw. Enough said. Number eight. <laughs> same same thing as number nine, but with more emphasis. Cact- I'm, you know what? I'm sure Ken has seen number nine. I'm sure he has. He's probably seen number eight. Cactus Flower with Walter Ma- Walter Ma- Walter Matthau, Ingrid Bergman, and Goldie Hawn. What the f- I I'm just reading them, pal. I, now, I mean, I'm trying to think of a movie with Walter Matthau, Ingrid Bergman, and Goldie Hawn. I mean, that almost sounds like something out of an Onion headline. <laughs> and it made $25 million. Cactus Flower. I Holy don't know. crap. A great movie. It got John Wayne, his Oscar, True Grit. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Fill your hands, you son of a bitch. <laughs> nice. Um, another movie that could now True Grit definitely could be a man cave movie. Both versions, they're both this one and the remake could be reviewed as a man cave movie. Number six, I don't know how the man cave team feels about this one. It has two man cave actors, but I don't know if it's a man cave movie. Hmm. It features Lee Marvin and oh. Clint Eastwood. Oh my goodness! Paint your wagon. Because Clint Eastwood sings in the movie. <laughs> Sorry, it's a musical, and the Man Cave movie <laughs> review does not do musicals. Yeah, yeah. There's all right. that's all. Yeah. Automa- automatic disqualification. All right, there you go. Number five: Natalie Wood, Robert Culp, Diane Cannon, Elliot Gould. 
Bob and Carol, and Ted and Alice. Yeah, we'll never be re- reviewing that. I'm thinking 1969 is a pretty sheer, uh, shitty yeah. year for making games. <laughs> no, what the word you're looking for, Steve, is shitty. <laughs> shitty. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna re- we're gonna recover with number one. But, okay. And you could argue number two and number three. Number four is actually more of a man cave movie than number five. Mm. Number four is Hello Dolly. <laughs> but it's more of a man game movie than Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Number three, Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, Jack Nicholson. It screams counterculture. Yeah. Easy Rider. Never seen it. You know, I, up. I saw it like a long time ago. And I, it's more one of those I've got images of the movie, but I couldn't tell you what the hell it was about. Right. I would agree. Yeah. Another another movie of the period that would fit within the Easy Rider period genre with John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. At number two, Midnight Cowboy. Oh, I like that movie. And then... Never seen it. Blew everybody away. Made $102 million in gross. Holy crap. With Paul Newman, Catherine Ross, and Robert Redford. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Ding, ding, ding. Man. A quintessential man cave movie. Got to do it at some point. Yep. Yep. For the quotes alone. Oh, oh for the quotes alone. Struther well, Martin. I mean, yeah. my God. Yeah. They don't rob you going down. Down the, the mountain. mountain. You don't have any money. <laughs> I don't mean to be a sore loser, but if he, but if he kills me. Kill shoot him. him. Oh, shoot him. It'll be my pleasure. Wow. <laughs> Guys, I'm right behind you the whole time, Butch. <laughs> That's what's sustaining me in my time of crisis. <laughs> we got to have rules. Rules in a knife fight? Say one, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> a great movie. Thank you. You used enough dynamite there, Butch. <laughs> It's on and on. Uh, My God. It has one of the best songs ever. Don't ever go swimming with bow-legged women and swim between their legs. Swim between their legs. (laughs) Never hit your mother with a shovel. It'll leave a dull impression on her mind. You know what, uh, folks? We're going to have to do this soon (laughs) so I could stop hearing about this freaking movie. Just, oh man! Have you never you know, seen it? You, no, I've never seen it. Steve is not a fan oh, of it. I love he, that. Movie. I, I mean, you, I it it's okay. What? Yeah, Mark, here's why. All right, Here we look, go. it's a western. It doesn't have Clint Eastwood in it. Okay, oh, thank it's in you. Bolivia. Thank you. thank you. All right, it's you know, it's not a real western. Oh, that's okay, right. You're on number four, so keep going. There's a few others. <laughs> You're, you're, no, you're, please. It does have raindrops keep falling on my head, so that is a ding on it. But that's the top ten movies of 1969, gentlemen. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. Very well done. All right, (laughs) so we are back. All right, folks, that is it with the, uh, brother, what you drinking, and, oh, shit, wait a minute. All right, so that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, that was good. You know, when I'm tr- when I'm able to keep this podcast in in check, all right, I we need to wrap this up. 
All right, folks, that is it with the top ten movies of 1969. So we are now moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of the Screen Fantastic Film. All right, number one. Did anyone jump out of a window? Yeah, a bunch of people. Well, they jumped out of cockpits. Close. There's glass. Yeah, there was glass flying. Well, someone landed, and Edward Fox landed in a hothouse. He did. Oh, he shit. did. He did. All right. Yes. You know what? Uh, even though Roni is over in the uh, the uh, uh, Italian Alps, we'll just go with that one. We don't he have to. Crashed consult. into a hothouse. Yes. Yeah. He busted windows. Yes. Okay. You're good. All right. Let's see. Uh, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? Jeff? I don't think so. I don't either. I don't. I think she was perfectly relevant for this movie. Yep. yep. And she was totally hot wearing a uh, <clears throat> dress shirt and a tie. Totally moderately <laughs> attractive. Muncie? God. <laughs> Just, really? I found the other he, woman more attractive than he her. He does that okay. just to poke the bear. He does, you know. I mean, it's just... just it's, would, think, wait, would I do that? Think there, of don't him, answer that. Never mind. Think of him as an orangutan flinging poo. It is. That's that. There you go. That's an offense to orangutans. All right. And truly it is because they, they have more hair than you do. And that's saying something. <laughs> All right, next. Son of a bitch must pay. All right, was there, was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? No. Well, I would say the closest one was Gehring. I was going to say, thank you, Mark. Gehring was, at the very end, was like, you have all failed me for the... You know what? They, they should have <laughs> literally had the Darth Vader, you have failed me for the life. Because that's basically what he said at the end. Well, you know, that's something And you know that, what? Lucas that, stole that. I was going to say, that's something else Lucas stole from this movie. Yes. We didn't talk he, about... We didn't talk yeah. about stole from this movie. Oh my god! She stole the whole combat sequences from this movie. True, not True. just the combat sequences, but the radio chatter. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Oh, we're back to what the George Lucas rip off. Oh my gosh! We have to bring that back. I was just doing it because I was afraid of getting sued. But all right, next. <laughs> I'm flattered if he pays attention to our podcast. Right. <laughs> if we rate that kind of scrutiny. Right. <laughs> Or any of his underlings. And <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Minions. Yes. All right, next. <laughs> Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? Good Lord, there should have been one. <laughs> there should have. The I just feel the, like somebody jumped out of the window. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the, the number of uh, German Hinkle pilots that took a shot to the face <laughs> should have screamed right. one out oh, at one God. point. You are so right. My there should have been, but I didn't see one. No. Or hear one. You knew if you saw a belly gunner up there that uh, that <laughs> was going to be ketchup. You knew it. You knew it. <laughs> yes. Ketchup. They were called what? Heinz? Heinz tomato. I Heinz think that's tomato. what they, yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, next. Could the female role be better played by Tawny Katane? Again, this is in her prime. Tawny was, I think, seven. In this movie, so just I I I don't I mean I would I I I don't know I mean I I'm sure she could have right 
I I don't know. I I there's something about Susanna York that's just sweet and cute. It is very sweet and cute. The only thing I had a problem with Susanna York, and it wasn't her. It was the fact that okay, guys, this is 1940. Get her a 1940s haircut. Yeah, that was the 1940s. That was even close 1940s. That was a that was a Gidget haircut. Oh my god, <laughs> really? You're, I mean, get, all the other women had the 40s look, but no, you had to have her look like Gidget. Yes, thank you. All right, my commentary there next. Was there a montage in this movie? What do you guys think? I there wasn't one. There was none. I agree with Steve. Yeah. It was just it was just, you know, combat scene actions. It was just fast paced. There was nothing really montaging. No. No montage. Nope, no montage. All right. Uh gentlemen, last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Well, let's see. I will be dipped in shit if there is a B5 reference in this movie. Well, does your shit have corn in it? I don't know. I haven't had a corn in a cob in a while, but it's not in season. So. Oh, okay. Um, there is, Steve. Are you kidding me? It's uh, not like Best Boy or the oh, like assistant to the main grip or something like that. You know who it is? What? You will. You are. You are going to be. You're going to be shocked and dipped in shit. Yeah. You ready? Bring it. Ian McShane. Yep. What? Yep. <laughs> Ian McShane was in B five. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes, he was. <laughs> I'll bring the shit over. It'll be mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you give him a little mustard with that shit sandwich? Oh, my God. Really? Well, what the hell I'll is I'll get some corn out of season for you. Oh, Where the hell was it? Are yep. you ready for this? Okay. Are you ready for when and where it was? Yeah. Uh, um, it was in uh, B5, The River of Souls. Yes, it was. The movie. It was Robert Bryson, Ph.D. Yep. River of Souls. That was um, the B five movie, I think. Boom Shakalaka, and he actually gets fifth billing in it. Right, right before Martin Sheen, who plays a soul oh hunter. Oh my god! Oh. I know. Son of a bitch must pay. <laughs> we'll be posting this picture of Steve being dipped online. <laughs> <laughs> In a huge steaming vat. Oh, my God. You know, oh, Ian McShane wow. has been in a lot of stuff. He was even in um, Magnum P.I. Yeah, he's well, getting a paycheck. Well, it is Magnum P.I. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, we are very upset because we were watching Magnum P.I. all the time on Netflix streaming, and they took it off. I'm yep. pissed. God, I love that show. That was a... Great! Oh yeah! Oh my God! What a great series! I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, Tom Selleck was funny. Yep. Oh, he was just priceless, and still looks good. I mean, the oh, guy yeah. is like in the seventies, still just 
written, you know, I've, just I've been meaning to watch that that Blue Blood show. It's not bad, and you can it's streaming now. I think it's yeah, streaming. He, on he's always had an air of gravitas. Now I'm I'm fine with him not being um, Indiana Jones or Harrison Ford in Star Wars, but um, I think those were good calls. Yes, although he. The one movie he did that was kind of a Indiana Jones that takes place in um, oh. China, China is pretty good. Can't remember the name of it, but it, it's pretty good. I like good old Tom. Yep, he's a good actor. I like anyway. Tom Selleck. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with the uh, the Man Cave movie review checklist of the screen fantastic film. So we are now moving on to the review. Let's see. One of you two take it. I had last week's. Yeah, last week. Yo, know, Muncie, you have not been around for a while, so I have been, been dominating. Here. I'll take it. I'm not Go sure for it. justice, but here it goes. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, you know, we have rehashed this movie. Um, it, it's a solid movie from, from one, from the beginning to the end. Um, I think it paces out very well. I think it includes all the necessary pieces for what was going on with the Battle of Britain. And, you got some great combat scenes. There are a few issues, especially when airplanes blow up in the sky. I mean, it looks pretty hokey. Uh, but, I mean, the rest of it um, really holds up rather well. It's great watching these planes, um, you know, duel and um, seeing the story kind of play out. Um, and you see some of the best actors that Britain has ever cranked out um, between, uh, you know, Michael Caine, who, uh, who, you know, to me, spoiler, um, you know, left early in the movie. Um, but, um, uh, Robert Shaw and Christopher Plummer, I mean, just, I mean, constantly seeing them throughout the movie in different phases. I mean, it really, again, pay, helps pace the movie out. But Ian McShane has a pretty solid role in it. And Lawrence Olivier, um, it's, it's, it's well acted, well casted. Well written, some great liners. I mean, you got to listen closely, um, but the payoff is, is is well well worth it. And because it is well worth it, I think um, this movie for me gets a. Um, I'm going to give it a solid eight point two five. I right. like it. I'm right there with you. Oh, you're just going eight point two five. Wow. Here we go. I, yeah, I was going to go eight, but I I agree with his assessment and we'll say eight point two five. Guys, I'm going. I'm going solid nine. Wow! Oh, wow. This, oh yeah. This this movie is. I, I'm saying solid nine because again, guys, I, I'm I'm doing the whole encompassing thing here. 1969, great aerial scenes, real planes, no CGI. This movie is fantastic. This movie holds up today. You could not make this movie today and not cost a billion dollars. I mean, seriously. It's a fantastic movie, great cast. Well, you couldn't even get this kind of a cast today. Well, you you, you may be able to if they're willing to, like a lot of these actors, kind of, uh, you know, take a, a substantial pay cut. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, well good luck with that too but so no i, I don't know i you know mark and i were talking about that you may be able to get that with 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 some sets of actors i mean you know yeah. um you know for example tom hanks and steven spielberg um you know when they did band of brothers um you know they, they i don't know if they asked for anything 
Um, I, I think there are some people out there that are willing to do it for the right reasons, but um, not many. Yeah, you could be right. But, no, I, I think it's a nine. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I really went into it with, um, uh, I don't want to say low expectations, but basically no expectations. I'm like, all right, it's, you know, how how exciting can this movie be? And <laughs> I was pretty much blown away. I'm sitting there like I was riveted, you know, to the screen. It It's fantastic. I think it's a nine. And mainly because... Uh, you know, great acting. When you're watching the dogfight scenes, God, I mean, you feel like you're really in, you, you forget it's a movie. It's like, shit, this is really happening. This is, this is a real thing. So, no, love it. I love this movie. Glad we did it. I blame Jeff for not <laughs> doing this movie like two years ago. Th- this should have been like the second movie we did. And this is, <laughs> Well, you were insistent on that being the 13th Warrior. <laughs> wow. No, actually, the second movie was, um, what the hell was our second movie? I thought the first one was Conan. It was Conan, then what the hell would we do the second you one? You guys do Alien? I thought it was the 13th Warrior. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't 13th Warrior. No. That was the one that I'm very ashamed of because I was really, really shit-faced in that one. I, I'm shocked. You were... You had been drinking on that podcast? Huh. A huh. lot. Yeah. Would have never made the connection. Hmm. Uh, on the <laughs> <laughs> I was going to yell out, Blucher! <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, Steve, yes, carry on. I'm oh, sorry, Taffeta, taffeta, darling, I'm sorry, Steve. You were saying? No, never mind. That's all right. No. All right, it's... all right. Three, two, one. Bluka. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that's it with the man cave move review, <laughs> episode one seventy five. All right, check us out at our website at mancavemovereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review and leave us a comment. Tell us if you liked the show or did not like it. Go look for us on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review and also on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. And if you want to send us some email and um, actually the complaint about how Jeff keeps trying to derail the show and mess up my uh, closeouts of the show. I don't try. I no, just do. He just does. You can email us at mancavemoviepodcast at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to forward all your complaints to Jeff, who will still ignore you. Yes. So there you go, folks. That is it with uh, the Man Cave Movie Review episode 175, where we talk about the Bell of Britain. Hope you enjoyed the show. We will be back very soon. Until next time, ciao. Did I say I hate you all? No.
So, moving on. All right. Uh, so, there you go. That's the review of episode 175, The Battle of Britain. So... Yeah. No. Yeah. Nice job, Steve. So. No. So. So what? Keep me hanging here. Tick tock. So join us next time on. Sounds like. Rhymes with first syllable. <laughs> Abby, Abby I'm sorry I hate you, fucking guys, because you give me start laughing. I can't stop. Abby, someone give him a set of give. <laughs> he said a dirty word. <laughs> Would you like some espresso? I was going to serve espresso. Oh my god! Who knows the rules? Oh god, you sons of bitches! <laughs> well, it could be worse. Could be raining. <laughs> <laughs> well done, slowly. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm trying to close this fucking show out. You guys are not helping. Hump. Sorry. What hump? What hump? <laughs> Walk this way. This way. <laughs> you put an Abby Normal brain in my podcaster. Abby someone. Abby whom? I won't. You won't be angry? I, I will, will not, not be angry. Abby, someone. Get me out of here. Get me the hell out of here. Can't you people take a joke? <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man. Oh. All right. Frau Blucher. We have to take deep breaths because I have to close this fucking thing up. We've, I've got it. You know, we haven't had a blooper clip in, I don't know, forever, but oh my God, I think we have one now. Oh, good Lord. Come on, Frankenstein. Oh, good Lord. That was, that was brilliant. Oh. Damn your eyes. Too late. Too late. Shut up. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Whenever you're ready, Steve. I, I'm ready now. All right. And three, two, one.